Well, good morning, church. It's great to be back with you. Great to be back with you. Uh, a couple years ago, um, it, was, uh, it was in the wintertime, usually in uh, February-ish. Uh, I enjoy going to the home show. Uh, there's, a, there's a conference hall just filled with all sorts of vendors. Anything to do with your house, anywhere in your house, with anything in your house, it's amazing. And they're always giving away free stuff. And so I, I scour the aisles just looking at all of the vendors, looking for all the free stuff. I mean, the kids enjoy coming along to the home show because uh, they always end up with one of those yardsticks and a hat and uh, some kind of a candy or something. And so we go to the home show, and it is a, a great, grand event. And I remember a couple years ago, we went to the home show, and uh, and I'm walking through uh, one of the aisles with all of the vendors, and I'm looking for my free stuff, looking for a good deal. And, and I see this vendor that's offering a vacation deal that is out of this world. I mean, it is like a week in Branson, all week, 300 bucks, and I'm like, this sounds like a great deal. I mean, I cannot wait. And I, I'm looking over all the stuff, and I'm like, Whoa, look how nice this is. And look, I mean, look, everybody, couldn't we have a really great time in Branson? And I'm thinking, this is going to be a great, and, and if you get to know me, I can be frugal. And so I'm thinking, not only is it going to be a great vacation, it's going to be cheap, too. And I'm, I'm like, show me the pen. Give me the pen. I am ready to sign on the dotted line. And the guy behind the counter says, Sir, now, before you do this, I need to let you know something. For all of those that come, you need to sit through this sales pitch for a couple of hours on a timeshare. He, he essentially said, but there's a catch. And I thought, this is exceedingly disappointing. And I had to walk away downcast that I wasn't going to get a cheap vacation in Branson. This morning, I want to talk about a little word. I want to talk about a little word that has a, uh, the effect of really creating a polarization sometimes. I want to talk about a little word that just uh, is the king of contrasts, that can take something that we thought was good and make it bad and something that was bad and make it exceedingly good. Now, we've been in this series for uh, three weeks now. We've called it Little Big Words and we have just gone about uh, trying to look throughout Scripture, scouring uh, the pages of Scripture, uh, looking for those little words uh, that sometimes we skip over, uh, sometimes that we ignore, uh, sometimes that we just read past. 
And this morning, there's a little word, this three-letter word, has the power to really change our life. This little three-letter word uh, has, the, uh, has the power to change our action, change our perception because of what it does for us. It's, it's three letters, B-U-T, but. And this morning, what we're going to see with this three-letter word, this, this tiny little word, but, is we're going to see that God doesn't take us down an exceedingly disappointing, disparaging road. But that with this three-letter word, this tiny little word, but, that he is going to show us his exceeding goodness. And not only is he going to show us his exceeding goodness with this little three-letter word, uh, he's going to give us the opportunity to actually change the way we go about living. That we can know his exceeding goodness and we can actually begin to allow that exceeding goodness to be known to others. So this morning with this three-letter word, this, this tiny little big word, but. We're going to see the exceeding goodness of God and be challenged to see how God's exceeding goodness might become our exceeding goodness. Join me in Romans chapter 5. Join me in Romans chapter 5. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Romans chapter 5. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and you want to reach out and grab one of those pew Bibles in front of you, it's going to be page 785. Page 785. God has been impressing upon me uh, recently... His goodness, his exceeding goodness. God's been just placing in my path over and over as of late uh, the fact that he is willing to meet me where I am. He, He has constantly just been reminding me of the places where he has found me and sometimes the places where he still finds me and that he still loves me. Look with me in verse 6 of chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, uh, someone might possibly dare to die. But, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. God has been reminding me that he is exceedingly good. 
And in this phrase, uh, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, this little big word, this contrast just shows uh, that God is exceedingly good and his grace is available for all of us, regardless of our circumstances, uh, regardless of our pain, uh, regardless of where currently we find ourselves, that God is willing, ready, able, and has already demonstrated his exceeding goodness to us, and his love exceeds any possibility that we can possibly imagine on a human scale. God's love is extraordinary. And he didn't wait for us to to become good God didn't wait for us so that we could just uh, clean up our act a little bit. He didn't wait until he didn't wait until we had uh, our ABCs in a row until we knew all the right things. He didn't wait until we knew how to memorize John three sixteen or how to memorize all the books of the Bible in order. No. No. This text says. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still. Still sinners. Maybe you come this morning and you're wrestling with an addiction. Uh, maybe it's an addiction uh, to alcohol, and, and you can't shake it. And you, maybe you even uh, come this morning, and, and you're praying that the Lord would deliver you from this. Uh, because uh, when you are on the bottle, you're not quite who you want to be. And, 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 it's, and it's affecting all of the relationships around you. While you were still a sinner... Uh, maybe your addiction is to pornography and, and it just eats at you and you, you sit down in front of any electronic device and it, it almost calls to you and it, and, it, and it just seems to own your heart right now. And you wonder walking through this door if something's going to happen. And God is saying, in an exceedingly good way, While you were in front of the screen, I died for you. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. Uh, Maybe it's one of those relationships that you have in an inkling in your heart that this relationship dishonors God. But you like what it provides for you, at least on the here and now, and you're wrestling in, in your soul uh, with, the, uh, with the presence of this relationship. And, and you're coming and you're wondering this morning, what would God have to say to this? And, and this text speaks into that while you were in the unhealthy relationship. Christ died for you. The last two weeks I was in the state of California, Southern California. It was warmer there. 
I was working uh, and I was gathering together with some other preachers and uh, uh, what a great time it was. And there's a guy, his name is Tim. Tim is from Northern Ireland and he has the coolest accent. And he'll begin to talk to you, yeah, bro, this is great, you know, bro. And he, he has this easy disposition about him. And we were there for two weeks, gathering together to study. And, uh, uh, and, and after the weekend was over of that first week, we reconvened back together again. And there was Tim, and he was sharing a story. And he said, yeah, I've been, I have been um, taking Uber all over Southern California. Now, for those of you that don't know what Uber is, it's like a taxi, uh, but it works with your phone, Okay. And so you call up this taxi, and it'll take you literally anywhere you want to go. And so uh, Tim is like, I've been, I've been using Uber all over the place, from one end of the city to the other. I have taken Uber everywhere. And he said, I got into this one Uber car, and we were driving somewhere. I don't even remember where. And he said, there's this, this young lady, and she was driving. And she said, you know, in trying to make conversation, she said to Tim, my uh, Northern Ireland friend, uh, she says, what do you do for a living? And he says, well, I'm a preacher and I happen to be doing some study here in Southern California and I'm with some friends and uh, he kind of explains it. And you could tell that she had begun to really wrestle with some things. And she said, I'm not sure if God still loves me. And of course, Tim, uh, being uh, Tim, he says, oh, no, no, no. God still loves you. No matter what it is that you've done, God absolutely still loves you. And, he, and she said, no, I don't think you quite understand. You, you see, I, I have a female partner. God couldn't possibly love me. I grew up in the church, and, uh, and, and, and now I'm in this relationship, and I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if I should be, but God surely couldn't love me anymore. And Tim, being who my Northern Ireland friend is in his unassuming way, got to pray with an Uber driver that she would recognize just how much God still loves her. And I began to think of passages where, where this little big word uh, becomes God's exceeding goodness to people. But while I was in an unhealthy relationship, while I was in addiction, while maybe I was in a homosexual relationship, Christ died for me. And that's for all of us, isn't it? R regardless of what our issue is, uh, maybe it's that we're angry. Uh, maybe it's that we're, wherever we go, we're just angry all the time, and we have no control over our emotion. Uh, maybe it's that we just have this sense of pride about us that no one can tell us anything. Uh, because we already know the answer. Uh, maybe it's that we're greedy. Maybe it's that we're discontent. Uh, maybe it's that we're stuck in lust. Many years ago, 
I was actually in Ottawa, Iowa. I was in ministry just 10 miles down the road. And I got called in. Uh, there was a, a man who was on his deathbed. He was near unto death. And the family said, hey, uh, would, you come, would you come and talk to my dad? Um, he's going to die really soon. And he really wants to talk to a preacher. Sure, no problem. So I, I decide, I go out, it was in the country, and I, I drive down the dirt road. It was out on a farm. Uh, I walk in a, a, a small a farmhouse. I, I walk through the door, and he's, he is, of course, laying on a bed in a room kind of secluded uh, from the rest of the home. And I kneel beside his bed. He asked me to shut the door, and he said, I really need to tell you something. I said, okay, you know, now's the time. So he begins to tell me that for years, for decades, he's been racked with guilt. Years prior, he'd had an affair on his wife and never told her. And now he's laying on his deathbed, and the only thing that he can think about is the sin that he's carried with him. All he can think about is the guilt that seems to be weighing him down to the bed that he's in. And he asked me, is it possible that God could love a man like me? Is it possible that he could forgive me for the affair? While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And we get to see the exceeding goodness of God with this little word, but. Yeah, I know all of the stuff. I know the worst places that you have been. I know the shameful areas of your life. I know the dark places where you try and go and hide in the shadows. But I still love you. And I love you so much. I value you. I find you of such great worth that I would send my son to die for you. Now, I'm only guessing but I'm guessing that some of you are sitting in the pew listening to these words going, but preacher, Mike, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know the shameful areas. You don't know how bad it has been for me. You don't, you don't know the skeletons in my closet. And you're right, I don't. But God has a track record. He's got a track record of taking people so far from him and moving them close. You see, uh, long before I could ever draw myself near to God, God was drawing himself near to me. And he's drawing himself near to you. And he's plopping down next to you in the pew this morning. And he's wrapping his arm around you. And he's going, hey, have you ever seen this little word? Have you ever understood its power? But I want to demonstrate my love for you in this. 
while you were still a sinner. Uh, You look through the pages of Scripture and you understand uh, that no matter what it is, God comes along people who have messed up, who are messy, who are broken. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? How about Abraham? God makes this wonderful covenant with Abraham to say, Abraham, you are going to be a great nation. And that promise comes through Scripture. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to do this through you. But what do we know about Abraham? Abraham is a liar. Oh, he does some wonderful things. I don't want to take away the faith of Abraham and his ability to trust in God. But let's, 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 let's really look at Abraham. He lied. And God used him. And you go a few, few more chapters. Jacob. Anybody? Jacob? I mean, these are like, these are like pillars, right? Patriarchs. People we look at in Scripture and go, oh man, if I could just be a little more like that. Really? Jacob? Jacob is the one who God is going to make a nation out of. Uh, He's going to later call him Israel. And he is going to make a nation through him. And yet Jacob's a shyster. He is a con man. He is manipulative. And God uses him. You come to the period of the Judges. I mean, pretty much the whole entire book of Judges, people. You look at the Judges. Almost none of them are good. I know, we we love Samson, right? Rippling biceps, long hair. Probably looks like Fabio. Or Clay Matthew, if you are a Green Bay fan. And he enters constantly into an unhealthy relationship that he knows he shouldn't be in. And yet God uses him. Oh, do we need to mention David? I mean, you probably all have heard about David. David is the king. I mean, he's the king that's going to establish uh, the, really the reign of the king that Jesus is going to take over later on. I mean, when we hear in the Psalms, right, uh, he's going to sit on whose throne forever? David's throne. I mean, David's going to be a man after God's own heart. Yet we know there were some areas of David's life that nobody would but blush. As his lust leads him to an adulterous affair and murder. Paul? Paul, anybody? The Apostle Paul, uh, he he finds that he is so uh, religiously zealous that he is going to go and kill people in the name of God. I mean, he is like the mob boss of the early New Testament, right? And he's going to go to his people. You need to go, you need to go to them, and you, you know what to do. And we see guys like Stephen getting stoned as people are honoring Paul and saying, this is what you wanted. 
There's this little big word. But. And it's showing us this morning that God is exceedingly good. That in all of our hang-ups, in all of our mistakes, in all of our messiness, God is good. And He sent His Son to die for you. And what we find about this word not only is that God is good and that He is exceedingly good, but that when He comes to us and when we are able to draw near, He says, I, I, I will meet you wherever it is that you are. I'll meet you in the biggest mess in the world. I will take you in all of your shame and all of your yuck and all of your addiction and all of your hookups and hangups and all of that. I will take it all. I will meet you there. But he doesn't want to leave us that way, does he? He wants to take us and love us to a new life. That we might exceedingly desire him as he has exceedingly loved us. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're still hanging on to those pew Bibles, it's going to be page 850, 1 Peter chapter 1. God's exceeding love His exceeding love and telling us that He has died for us even while we were still sinners leads to our exceeding desire to live for Him. To say, I'm going to leave something behind and, and live a different way. Join me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Because it is written, be holy because I am holy. Drop down to verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It is because God has shown His exceeding goodness to us in sending His Son. Not that we were able to redeem ourselves. Not that we were able to, to save ourselves. Not that we were able to, to bring our life into an abundant state. That's not for us. Only God can do that. But when He comes near... And when we recognize His goodness and enter into a belonging with Him, He says, I want you to leave something behind you. I want you to to jettison something. I want you to leave it. 
And I want you to live with a desire for me. Recognize what he says. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. Uh, Take the opportunity for God's exceeding goodness to well up in you so that, that you might have an opportunity to live a different life. That this relationship now that you have with God because of his exceeding goodness would lead you to exceeding desire for him. Now, now some of you are thinking, holiness? Like God's holiness? I'm out. You're thinking, I couldn't possibly begin. You know where you begin? Simple obedience. Look at verse 22 in this same chapter, chapter 1. Now that you have purified yourselves by what? Obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. You know what? Uh, It really can start with just simply obeying. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to look sexy. It just has to be simple obedience. It has to just simply start with whatever it is that you know that you should begin to start obeying. Start there. And take a step of obedience. Take a step that says, I'm going to obey. Now, some of you are thinking, I have to try and obey all these things that I don't even know. Don't start with what you don't know. Start with what you do know. And take a step of obedience. And say, okay, all right. You you say, God, I should love you and love other people. All right, it's a deal. I'm going to start today and figure out how I'm going to love my boss who's angry. And you can start. You can start today. You can start right now. You can start right after this service. You say, I'm... I'm going to obey whatever it is that I know. And and I'm going to grow into some things that I don't know yet, but I'll obey those when I get to them. Notice what he says a little later on. He's going to start again. How is it that we achieve this holiness? How is it that we understand God's God's exceeding goodness and then begin to live an exceeding desire? Notice chapter 2, verse 1. Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He says like this, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And now the way that First Peter, the way that Peter means this craves pure spiritual milk is different than how Paul means it. Uh, Paul at one point says, hey, stop just drinking milk and eat meat. That's, that's not what Peter's saying here. So don't read Paul into Peter. Right? What he's saying here is desire the Lord like a young babe desires mom. 
Look for the Lord in such a way that your exceeding desire for the Lord uh, would just crave Him. And in that, know that the Lord is good. And allow this little big word, but be holy, to actually begin to change the pattern of your life. Some of you walked in and your marriage is in trouble. You walked in and you're angry at each other. You're not speaking. The the home is cold. And you have an opportunity this morning to say two things. God's goodness is exceedingly good to me. And I want to exceedingly desire him. And I'm going to allow God's but God. I'm going to speak that in to my spouse. And I'm going to say, I know that my spouse is angry. And I know that they have, uh, they have stuff. I know that my spouse is is angry right now. I know that they're emotionally unstable. I know that maybe there's even some bad habits that I don't like. I know that we're not getting along right now. But I will seek holiness. And I will say, but you are my spouse. But I took vows But I love you. And I will take steps today to allow the exceeding goodness of God to become my desire for him. And I'll allow this a little word, but, to actually begin to change my life. Maybe you're a parent and your kids, your kids are rebelling. Maybe they don't want anything to do with you. Maybe they're yelling at you. Maybe they're saying things about you behind your back that you're hearing on social media. Maybe maybe you have had it with them. Maybe you have even told them that you've had it with them. Maybe they're fighting with their siblings. Maybe they're creating unrest in your home. And you have an opportunity To say, the exceeding goodness of God is going to lead me to live out holiness and say, but, but you are my child. But I have prayed for you. But I am not going to give up on you. And you can walk into your child's life today and say, but things are going to be different. Because my attitude to you is going to be different. And maybe it's a work, and maybe it's a neighbor, and whatever relationship it happens to be in. Gang, you have the power today to say, but. So what is it that I'm asking you to do in this sermon? Well, some of you may have come in this morning and you're not sure about this relationship with Jesus. Uh, You walked in this morning and you're like, God couldn't possibly love me, but I'll go anyway because someone asked. 
And if that's you, then this morning, I want you to know the exceeding goodness of God. I want you to respond. I want you in some way, maybe in a prayer, to say, Lord, I messed up, but I believe in you. I believe that you did send your son, even while I was in the mess that you found me in. I believe that you have the power to save me, to clean me, to change me. I believe in you. And then you can confess to God, God, I believe in who you are and what you do. I believe that you're the God of the only God of the universe, that you are the God over all, that you created all things, that you sent your son so that he might die and I might live, and that he resurrected, and because of that power, you want that power to rest with me. That if I believe in you, you will give me your Holy Spirit. I want you to believe. I want you to confess. I want you to repent. I want you to say to God, Lord, these things that are a part of my life right now, I renounce them. I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm going to need your help not to go back. But I don't want to live there anymore, and I need your exceeding goodness to lead me forward. And I want you to respond in baptism. I want you to put all that together and I want you to walk into the baptistry with me and I want you to die to self and raise again to live a new life. Now some of you, some of you didn't walk in wondering about a relationship with Jesus. You've had a relationship with Jesus for years. And you have an opportunity to grow in your salvation Uh, Something that I know about growing up is that growing up doesn't happen all at once. It takes steps. we got to be intentional about it. Uh, Otherwise, uh, what happens? If we're not intentional about growing, uh, what happens is we come week after week and we sit, uh, but we're at the same spot that we were 10 years ago. If you have come, and you have come, and you have come, but you're not growing, shame on you. And this morning, allow God's goodness in that and not really coming and desiring and responding. Allow God's goodness to lead you to an exceeding desire to say, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to stop sitting. It's time for me to actually do something with this faith that I profess. And I'm going to grow in my salvation. And I'm going to begin to be obedient. And I'm going to begin to talk to and live out this exceeding desire for who God is. Christians, it's time. Let's grow in our salvation. And let's look back a year from now and let's say, wow, You know what, last year I was crawling, but this year I'm walking. And desire the Lord. What do I want you to do with this sermon? I want you to respond. Either in saying, I'm going to 
Make God number one. For the first time, or I'm going to renew, and I'm going to repent again, and I'm going to start growing. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your goodness to us. And I thank you for little big words. Words that show us contrasts from who we are to who you are. Lord, I I pray that you will act with great conviction. That your spirit will live in people's lives, Lord. That we will have a rock planted in our shoe as we leave today. That we cannot leave here without responding to you and your word. Lord, you'll meet us in our mess, but you don't want to leave us there. And so I pray for all of us in the mess that we are in. Lord, we give you praise and thanks and we welcome you and commit our lives to you. And we thank you for drawing near to us. But Lord... Help us not to stop. Instead, help us to live like we're holy. To live like our faith matters. To respond and say, but holy. Lord, I pray that you live in us and move in us and direct us and convict us and lead us with passion. And Lord, I pray for our church that in a year, not only individually but corporately, we're growing. And we can look back a year from now and we can go, wow. God, we have known your exceeding goodness and we have met it with an exceeding desire to live for you. Thank you, Lord, for saying, but God. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.